Welcome to the Tenderloin. Well, welcome to the Tenderloin. Welcome to the Tenderloin. Welcome to the Tenderloin. Welcome to the Tenderloin. Hi, welcome to the Tenderloin. Thanks for wanting to explore my neighborhood, the Tenderloin, with me today. My name is Kathleen Lee. You just heard the voices of some of my friends and neighbors, all of whom you'll meet today. Before we get started, I want you to understand something important about the place we're visiting. It's not an easy neighborhood to get to know. There are a lot of people on the street, and some of them have mental problems, or drug problems, or money problems, or some kind of problem no one's even figured out yet. There might be someone like that walking by you right now, or looking at you, or talking to you. Here's the thing. That doesn't mean they want you to go away or ignore them. I can't speak for everyone, but most of the people I know want you to get to know them better. That's why I'm taking you on this detour. But I have to tell you now, this isn't a normal detour. The Tenderloin can be an unpredictable place. We'll be walking on streets with some of San Francisco's highest crime rates. It's mostly drugs and prostitution, but people are sometimes mugged or hassled. And while thousands of people walk these streets every day without incident, and many people have taken this detour, you need to feel safe. People will come up to you, they'll talk to you and ask you for money, and say or do things that might make you feel uncomfortable. If you're not up for that, that's okay. You don't have to come along. I won't be mad if you quit. So, why even bother? Well, after spending an hour with me, walking in my shoes through the neighborhood I call home, I'm pretty sure you're going to see the Tenderloin and people like me, the people who live here, in a new way. Okay, still with me? You should be standing in front of the CVS on the corner of Market and 7th. If it's before 3 p.m. on a weekday, you might want to stop in here before we get going and buy a new pair of white tube socks or a small packet of cough drops. See, one of the first places we're going to visit helps homeless people, and they've told us those are the most helpful donations. It's not required or anything, but it would be great. You can pause me while you shop, and then unpause me when you're back here again. Okay, ready to go? If you're in front of the CVS, then 7th Street should be to your right. I want you to cross 7th and keep walking with Market Street on your left. As we go, remember to stay alert. Keep your phone in your pocket as much as you can and rely on me for directions. You can take one ear butt out if that helps you be aware of your surroundings. If you feel unsafe at any time, just walk away. I'm excited to show you what this neighborhood means to me. And I've got Molly, my hound dog, here with me. Isn't that right, Molly? You want to go for a walk? My partner Susan and I moved to the Tenderloin in 2008 when Molly was just a pup. It's really a magic thing. Having that hound dog here has been a bridge. It's made us belong here in a way that I don't think we would have belonged here in the same time without her. She just connects to the world, and they connect right back. She's our goodwill ambassador to the neighborhood. See that crosswalk up ahead? I want you to cross Market Street to the island and then keep going. I want you to walk up Jones. The Tenderloin is unique. It's San Francisco's poorest neighborhood and also the most crowded. More families with children live here than anywhere else in the city. You don't see them much. They tend to stay off the street. 
Okay, you should be on the other side of Market at the intersection of Jones Street. I want you to walk up Jones, keeping that old Hibernia bank across the street on your left. See Hotel Boyd across the street? It's an SRO. That stands for Single Resident Occupancy Hotel. Previous generations might have called it a flop house or a men's hotel. Most are long-term subsidized housing for people who can't afford to live anywhere else. Outsiders think of the Tenderloin as a problem that needs to be solved. But it's also a place where people come to live and pay rent and solve our own problems as best we can. The Tenderloin is where Susan and I picked up ourselves and recovered from addiction, got housed, found work. We do phenomenally well here. and We've made this our own and have been, I must say, embraced. Stop when you get to Golden Gate. That's the intersection up ahead. Okay, you should be standing by a parking lot at Jones and Golden Gate. There's a big, beautiful mural painted on a red building across the street in front of you. If someone's sleeping on the sidewalk in front of it, you can check it out from here if that makes you feel more comfortable. But you'll get a lot more out of it if you cross the street for a closer look. Cross the street when the light turns green. This mural is a miniature-scale, real-life neighborhood scene playing out before your eyes. See that main street? Stretching from the Hibernia Bank on Market Street all the way into the heart of the Tenderloin? That's Jones. We just walked it together. You can see the sign for the Hotel Boyd. And see the red building in the middle distance at the intersection? That's where we are right now. The mural we're standing in front of is painted right into the mural we're looking at. You can even see where the artist, Mona Carone, has painted herself standing on a ladder. And I can tell you that we love this mural because Mona put so many of us in it. My name is Indian Joe, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Tenderloin. So if I could have you all look Towards the center of the mural here, you can see little Joe. He's wearing the black top hat, pushing the shopping cart. I am crossing Jones Street. Hi, I'm Jeff Marshall. Welcome. I'm known in the Tenderloin as the Kite Man because of my joy flying kites. And uh, Mona Carone has given me a great honor in featuring me on top of the Hotel Boyd, flying a kite. Okay, let's go around the corner to see the rest. Stop in front of the first panel. See the saxophone player standing in the parking lot and the hawk flying out of his sax into the sky? That's where the Black Hawk Jazz Club was. Miles Davis, Johnny Coltrane, Johnny Mathis, and tons of other musicians played there. Personally, my favorite detail is the unmarked black sedan cruising down Hyde Street. That's an undercover police car, and the TL we call those gray ghosts. Hi, I'm Mark Ellinger. 
You can pick me out on the next mural over to the left. I'm the white-haired guy with the Cameron cane near the ambulance speeding down Jones Street. I've been photographing the central city since 2003, and I'll be showing you some of my work later on. On the lower right-hand corner, there is a sign that says, One Way. Once you find it, look for the same sign on the next panel over. Now it says, Another Way. It's the exact same corner, but painted as it could be. I like this utopia sign because all the same neighborhood people are still there, enjoying the space together. It's not about finding better people. It's about creating a better space for all of us. One more thing before we leave the mural. We like being in the painting, but photographs are different. So out of respect for us locals, please don't take photos of the people you meet or pass by, at least not without first asking them if they're okay with it. Okay, let's get on with our detour. If you're looking at the mural, turn around and walk to the corner. There's a brown and orange building on the corner diagonal from us. And about a block down from that, to the right, is a church. That's our next stop. So cross over both streets until you're in front of that building. It's called St. Anthony's. My friend Pam Coates is going to lead the next part of our walk. She's lived here a lot longer than Susan and I. Welcome to the Tenderloin. You should see a tall building that says St. Anthony's Dining Room. Keep it on your left and keep walking up the street. We'll stop at the church up ahead. Now if there's a line of people outside St. Anthony's, that means it's almost lunchtime. They serve around 2,400 meals a day here at lunch, and they do perfect rice, which always astounds me. My name's Pam Coates. I'm an actress turned singer, a community advocate, and a tenant's rights counsellor. I live at the Hotel Boyd now, but before that I spent about five months on the street, homeless. I want to show you the place where I came to sleep to be safe. St Boniface Church, the most beautiful church in the Tenderloin. Okay, we're coming up on St Boniface. Before we go in, just know that it can be very overwhelming the first time you visit. Don't worry, I'll guide you every step of the way. And I've told the St Boniface people to expect you and about you, and they're glad to have the opportunity to share this place with you. All right, you should be right outside the church. Ready? Let's go in. Walk up to the brown doors and pull one open. Straight ahead of you, across the church, there's a painting of Jesus with his body streaked with light. Walk all the way up to that painting and lean against the wall. Don't worry, you're with me. You're totally welcome here. When you get there, turn around and face the pews. 
The people sleeping in the pews in the back half of the church are here because of the Gubbio project. It's a group that tries to provide homeless people with what they need to survive. Sleep, food and clothes. I slept here for about five months. I'd have one bag with me and a purse until it was stolen. I'd use the bag as a pillow. Then after that, you know, I'd just go out into the day and sort of survive until I could come back to the project the following morning. When you're on the street, you have to be thinking all the time, all the time as to what your next move is going to be, where you're going to be in an hour, how you're going to do this, how you're going to do that. You're on your feet all the time. You're using energy all the time. Move around the pews and walk down the center aisle. Now you can slip into a pew in the front section or stop near the altar. Look up at the dome. It's peaceful here. It's tranquility. There is something about sleeping in a church that adds a sort of serenity to the whole deal. I slept in a shelter once, got robbed. I would rather be on the street and come into the Gubbio project. It's a different atmosphere. Look up at the blue dome painted high above the altar. And do you see the friar spreading his arms under the Holy Trinity? That's St. Francis. Now, God challenged St. Francis to give up everything he owned and rebuild the church with his own hands. I think about that story every time I'm in St. Boniface, because the homeless you see here, like St. Francis, are rebuilding their lives from nothing. If you brought a donation from CVS, you can walk to the back corner of the church, furthest from the entrance. You should see an open door back there. Just look for somebody with an orange name tag and hand them your donation. If you didn't pick up some socks, you can always give them a few bucks. All right, pause me. It's time for us to head outside. We'll walk out the same door as you came through. I'll meet you back at the sign outside the courtyard where we were before. Now with the church behind you, take a right. You'll see a lot of people in the Tenderloin, but there's a good chance that they're not actually homeless. You see, they're outside because they live in an 8 by 8 foot hotel room. This is their living room or their front yard. And you're only seeing a full fraction of the neighbors here. The not so visible 90%, like the iceberg, are not here during the day. It's the whole family structure. The kids are at school, the husbands are at work, maybe sometimes the wives, their businesses, there's pensioners that go out and hang in parks. They have a life. They're always here. They're working class in the Tenderloin.
When you get to the corner, take a left. I want you to walk up Jones. You know, people here do people favors. Somebody gives somebody a ride to so and so. Somebody does somebody shopping for them. We have a little healthy barter system going here. I'll turn the conversation over to Kathleen now, and thanks for spending time with me. Bye for now. Hi, good to be back with you. The mural is across the street to your right. As we walk, find the yellow building up ahead on the right. That's the Lyric Hotel. Susan and I used to walk this road a lot, and there was a young woman who sat on a chair out in front of the building near that no trespassing sign. She just sat out there all the time, watched the world go by. And it must have been maybe a year before I knew her name, or she knew my name, but she knew Molly. We just come up. Oh, hey Molly, hey Molly's moms. One day, Susan told me to look in the window, that she was almost positive that that was Regina's picture. It was a memorial to her. She was 36 years old and she died. No one could tell me how. It breaks me up. Yeah. People die younger here because life is hard here. If you've lived here your whole life, you've lived a hard life. Period. And there's no exception to that rule. Stop here at Turk Street for a minute. Look across the street to your right. About five buildings down. I want to show you something fun. Just past the Seven Up mural, there's an airstream on the roof. It's been there for years. It's a little bit of neighborhood mystery. No one lives there, and I haven't been able to find out who put it there or why or who even owns it. And you know, I kind of prefer the mystery. It's pretty cool. Cross the street when the light turns green, and keep walking the same direction we've been going. You probably noticed that the sidewalk we're walking on has been painted with what looks like a yellow brick road. This is called Project Safe Passage, part of a program to keep our kids safe here in the Tenderloin. You wouldn't know it, but 4,000 kids live in the Tenderloin more than any other neighborhood in San Francisco. Coincidentally, the neighborhood also has the highest number of registered sex offenders. I mean, how do you keep kids safe in a place like this? The sidewalk mural is one answer. The yellow brick road is the most popular route for families walking to school or to the bus stop. It's 11 blocks long, and police pay extra attention to it during the day. By now, you should be coming up to Eddie and Jones. Take a left and keep following the yellow brick road. We're walking by the Tenderloin Police Station. Stop at the second door. That's the main entrance. Take a look at that green sign in the window. It says Safe Haven. There are 54 safe havens in the Tenderloin. Hotels, stores, and other places where anyone can walk in and be safe from whatever is happening out here on the street, use the phone and stuff. I like that the sign says safe haven in seven different languages. I'm going to introduce you to two officers who have been working this beat for 20 years. Okay, open the door and walk in. You'll see some chairs. 
Just take a seat. If anyone asks you if you need help, tell them you're all set. Hi, I'm Officer Joe Juarez uh, with the San Francisco Police Department Tenderloin Task Force. And I'm Officer Peachy, Gary Peachy. Uh, welcome to Tenderloin. When I first got here to Tenderloin, I remember being overwhelmed from what I was seeing out in front of the, just, just out in front of the station. Things were just so out of control. Most of the things that were broadcast over the radio were uh, robberies, shootings, stabbings. Coming running out of the uh, out of the station, people urinating on our cars, <laughs> light trying to light them on fire. <laughs> it was pretty uh, devastating when we first got here, so it was quite a sight. The first murder I ever saw was the, the first night I worked in the Tenderloin, but it's not like that as much anymore. The Tenderloin has changed because we don't see as many shootings and stabbings and crimes of that nature. We don't see the same frequency, but we see a lot more quality of life issues because people have families, there's stores opening up, but it's still not perfect and it's especially hard for the kids. The noises, the swearing, the, uh, the loud music, all those things combine every single day when a kid's got to walk to school. They don't know how to process it out, so now they manifest in night sweats. There's nightmares, anger, unexplained swings of emotions, the exact same symptoms of veterans who return from PTSD, but these are grade school kids. So now the students at Demerilac Academy, it's right around the corner from the station on Golden Gate, uh, have counselors to help them cope with their PTSD. And it's actually the only school in the Tenderloin that does that. Like we said, the Tenderloin has changed. But stay safe out there on the rest of your tour. Go ahead and leave the police station now. Take a left when you walk out the door, and we'll see you out on the streets. Hi, guys. After leaving the police station, turn left and walk uphill. Mark Ellinger will join us for a little while. He's a photographer historian we met in the mural. Hi, Kathleen. Glad to be with you. We'll pass a Cambodian market and a couple of laundromats on our left as we mosey up Eddy Street. This area, the Uptown Tenderloin, is a National Historic District because of places like the Cadillac Hotel. That's the long, light blue building across the street to our right. For many years, the dining room was leased out as a boxing gym, and a lot of heavyweight champions trained there. Sonny Liston, Jerry Cooney, George Foreman. Yeah, pretty amazing. The intersection coming up is Leavenworth. Take a right when you get to the corner. When Miles Davis would come into town for a gig, he would often spar at the gym. And there's a story that goes that he would tell his sparring partner not to hit him in the face because he had to play that night. That's probably true. You can't play the trumpet with a swollen lip. Take a right here on Leavenworth. Keep following the yellow brick road up the hill. I'm taking you to see some of my photographs. The Tenderloin is the only neighborhood in San Francisco with no single-family homes. The people who lived here were clerks and office workers. They walked to work downtown, and they couldn't afford to buy a home. The neighborhood was built to accommodate them. It's the largest remaining stock of residential hotels and apartments in the United States. I myself lived in a residential hotel for six years. 
The Tenderloin had been a lively and vital area, but by the time I came here in the late 60s, it was just beginning to decline, to get frayed around the edges, let's put it like that. And by the mid-80s, the neighborhood had really fallen apart. There was the crack epidemic. When that came on the scene, things really went to hell quickly. And a couple of years later, of course, came AIDS, and the Tenderloin got hit hard. This next intersection is Ellis Street. Cross the street and then take a right. Stop a little ways down at 480 Ellis, the Arlington Hotel. It's one of the nicer SROs in the Tenderloin, and I have a photo exhibit there. You should be at the Arlington. Look for a double sliding glass door next to a call box. If the door is shut, press the button and tell them you want to look at the photos. They're very friendly here. I'll just be quiet for 30 seconds or so while you get inside and look around. You should be inside the Arlington now. Some of my photos are hanging in the lobby to your left, and there are seven more photos up the stairs on the mezzanine level. Go ahead and browse while I tell you about this place. You might be thinking the Arlington Hotel seems pretty nice. Today, a large number of residential hotels have been bought and completely renovated and refurbished by nonprofit housing corporations. The Arlington Hotel is one example. Modern, well-maintained, affordable housing for seniors, minimum wage workers, the disabled, anyone living on a low or fixed income. Don't forget to look at the photos on the second floor. The Tenderloin is the last stronghold of affordable housing in San Francisco which means that San Francisco's poor are all compressed into one neighborhood. There's this aspect about the Tenderloin that has never changed, and the best way I can define it is, it's a neighborhood that accepts you for who you are, no matter who you are. It's always been like that, and that makes it pretty damn unique. If you're still browsing, you can pause me until you're ready to go. If not, Let's head back out to the street and rejoin Kathleen. Hi guys. You should be standing outside with your back to the Arlington Hotel. Let's take a left and walk to the next intersection. Now we're getting to my favorite part of the detour. I'm going to show you where I live and introduce you to my partner, Susan. Susan and I were homeless for eight months until San Francisco's homeless outreach team found us a room. And now I work for the hot team, helping people who were right where we used to be, living on the street. Before 2008, Susan and I were living in Sacramento and we had a house painting business. When the economy tanked, our business tanked right simultaneously. In six months, we'd sold everything we owned and a house that we'd lived in for almost eight years. We drove away with what would fit in a little Ford station wagon. We came here because of the weather, and our drug supply was here. We had a 15-year heroin addiction that we managed to keep pretty much under control and support by working. Sometimes better than others, 
but we always did all right. When you get to the next corner, cross the street, take a left, you'll be heading uphill on Jones Street. So when we came here, then of course, things got more difficult. We lost our car for one thing. Every option there was available to us to maintain our old lifestyle was gone because you have to have money to buy drugs. And we had no jobs, had no money, no drugs. Take a left on Jones Street. I thought for myself that I would die a drug user because I really saw no way out because of the physical addiction part. I was trapped. I didn't know how to get out. And then San Francisco gave me a way out. We were just the right amount of tired, the right amount of sick of it, and the right amount of opportunity to make a change. And all these things, they just all melded together at the right moment. We seized that moment. It's so amazing. It's the most amazing. It's miraculous. Daily miracle walking. That's how I feel about it. Hang a right when you get to the top of this block. The place we live is called the Winton Hotel. It's coming up on your right. While we walk, look across the street at the big white Christian Scientist Church. Have you ever seen a church with an eight-foot fence in front of it? That's so people don't sleep on their doorstep. That's what it's there for. Could it be any more different than the spirit of St. Boniface, the church we saw at the start of the detour? Wow. The Winton has a dark blue awning and a broad glass window at street level. Stop when you get there. You should be at 445 O'Farrell, facing the Winton Hotel. This is where I live. I'd really love to take you inside to show you where Susan, Molly, and I live. The old building manager used to let guests in the lobby, but this place was sold in 2014, and everyone who worked here was fired. I'm going to head upstairs for a second. Just keep listening while I go into the Winton and up the rickety old elevator to the top floor. I'll meet you back here in a couple of minutes. We are in a hundred and some year old elevator. It's pretty amazing that it works at all. Now we're coming to the fourth floor. And this is my partner, Susan. Hi, <laughs> my name's Susan Hansen, and I live in the penthouse corner of the Winton. Okay, so I'm coming through the door, and this is our room. So it's maybe 15 by 15. Down the hall is where the shower and baths are, and also the toilets. Around the walls of the room are all of our storage, the Tupperware-type baskets for socks and shoes and pants. So all of our lives are contained. You design your lives around cockroaches and bedbugs. Those are our two main adversaries living here. It's very difficult to control. So our furniture is a double bed that we share, and then we have one canvas chair that's a fold-up camper chair, and we have one TV tray that serves as our table. Any cooking we do is done on a Coleman stove. Then there's a basin sink, cold and hot separate, so they don't run together. And this is, this is it as far as kitchen. 
it is a huge undertaking to prepare a meal here because you have to get out the table, get out the stove, you know. And then once you get everything out, you have to figure out where you're going to chop because there's no counter space. <laughs> it's called Desperate Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So it's uh, it's different. It's different, and it gives you a whole new sense of humor about things. Okay, good to be back with you. Hopefully you're in front of the Winton. If not, pause me until you're in front of it. Ready to go? With the Winton on your right, keep walking down the street. You'll turn right at the corner. See the sign that says Orange Village Hostel? Until 2012, that was an SRO called the Columbia Hotel. A bunch of tenants were evicted, and now it's a student hostel. The owners make lots more money that way. There was a big protest here when it happened. Look up when you get to the corner, and you'll see the beautiful old Columbia Hotel sign still hanging there. Hang her right at the intersection. We'll walk down this street together, down Taylor. Things are changing fast here. Right now, Susan and I are afraid we'll lose our home. A lot of other people are worried too. Because then where would we go? It's a constant concern in the Tenderloin. Even good things can turn out bad here. Sometimes, the city will sue an owner of a building that's got health or safety problems, which seems great, right? But that can mean disaster for the tenants. The building owners use those lawsuits as an excuse to evict us. That street up ahead is Ellis. Cross to the other side when you get there and wait for me underneath the street sign. A whole bunch of people live in these hotels. So it's a big problem when they close because those rooms are the only option people have to stay in this city. That's true for Susan and me. If the Winton closes, we have no other options. Living in the last affordable neighborhood in San Francisco, it's like surviving on a desert island. Head across the intersection and stop by the street sign for Ellis Street. You should be on the other side of Ellis under the street sign, which also says Reverend Cecil Williams Way. Turn and face the street you just crossed. That big church with the orange awnings is Glide Memorial Church. The music you're hearing is the Glide Ensemble singing on Easter Sunday. It's hard to say what Glide is, because it's way more than a church. They have medical services, recovery programs. They feed folks here three times a day. I think Thursday afternoons is chicken day, so the line is twice as long every Thursday. You can count on that. Anybody that likes fried chicken is in that line, pretty much. Okay, let's turn around now and keep walking down the hill the same direction as before. Glide is run by Reverend Cecil Williams. When he took over the church in the 60s, he pretty much redefined what being a minister was all about. 
He invited all the poorest six people in the neighborhood to church, and Glide became a big part of the counterculture and a place to organize against Vietnam. He was pro-gay rights from the very beginning, held a gay ball in the 60s, and performed gay weddings long before it was legal. That street up ahead, that's Eddy Street. Cross it when you can and keep walking. I wasn't here back then, but I know the Tenderloin was important to gays and lesbians. I know someone who lived that story, Felicia Flames. I'll hand you off to her up here. Hi, this is Eddy Street. Go ahead and cross. My name is Felicia Alessandro. I'm also known as Felicia Flames. I am a screaming queen, a pioneer, a legend, an icon, a diva, a 27-year survivor of AIDS, and a Vietnam veteran. Welcome to the Tenderloin. Eddie Street should be behind you. Keep walking down the block. One thing you have to understand is that the Tenderloin history has been lost for 40 years. It wasn't in the newspaper, it wasn't on television, but the Tenderloin was the gay mecca of San Francisco. People used to come from all over the United States and they had friends that they left back home and says, oh yeah, girl, you know something, this is nice, this is fun. You know, you can dress and be who you are. And, and although it was a dangerous place to be, because we were killed, murdered, raped, thrown in jail, and harassed by the police all the time. This is Turk Street up ahead. Stop when you get to the corner. We were just queens and sissies and jotos. It wasn't drag queens or gay or any of that stuff. It was just, our thing was we were queens. And queens means that you were sissified boys. The most important hangout was Jim Compton's cafeteria. It was in the light blue building next to us on the right. Now, it's a halfway home for convicts. There's a plaque in the sidewalk there. Let's look at it together, because it's very important. The drag queens are here at Turk and Taylor. Police had had enough and asked an all-night cafeteria to close by midnight. Uptown, Lost Landmarks, Compton's Cafeteria Riot, 1966. On one August evening in 1966, transgender women and gay men banded together to fight back against oppression after a police officer harassed one of them at Gene Compton's cafeteria. The girls were, were tired of being harassed, thrown in jail for nothing. The police came in, uh, like always, harassing us, trying to search or do something to the girls that would take them to jail for just drinking coffee or whatever they were, we were drinking, you know. And I guess one of the queens just got tired of being harassed and threw coffee, and that's where all hell broke loose. We never thought he was making history or... We were making a, a statement. We were just cornered and we had to fight back. That was a long time ago. Today, there's only one gay bar left in the Tenderloin. 
and we're going to visit it together. If you're facing the plaque, Turks, the street behind you, go ahead and cross. As you cross the street, look to your right, you'll see a white sign that says, Aunt Charlie's Lounge. That's where we're going. Take a right here. As we walk to Aunt Charlie's, look across the street. See that Bates Youth Hostel? That used to be a transgendered hotel. Then there's the Camelot Hotel. Next to that, in the dark, reddish-brown building, used to be the bathhouse for gay men. And right next door used to be the Blue and Gold. That was an African-American gay bar. Stop when you get to Aunt Charlie's. I'll tell you about the place I lived. It was across the street, past the auto repair shop. It's called the Helen Hotel now, but back then, it was the Al Rosa Hotel. When I moved in, I had one wig, a blue dress, and a pair of high heels. And I would stand right outside the hotel, and anyone that was interested in having sex for money, I would bring them up to my room. Do you see the window on the third floor on the right-hand side? That was my room, 15. That was my hotel room. It doesn't make me proud, but we were thieves. We were prostitutes. We were selling our bodies. But it was the only way we could survive. By selling our bodies, selling drugs, or clipping men when we were having sex with them. That means taking their wallets or taking the money out and putting the wallet back. Now it's time to see Aunt Charlie's Lounge. It's the last gay bar in the Tenderloin. When you go in, just wave to the bartender and walk to the end of the bar. Okay, let's go in together. Welcome to Aunt Charlie's. Walk to the far end of the bar and sit right across from a portrait of Vicky Marlene. A portrait of a girl with white hair and glittery earrings and a boa with glitter. And it hangs behind the bar. Please order a drink if you want to and enjoy this fabulous historic place. Pause me if you need to. Miss Vicki Marlene, hopefully you're sitting across from her or at least got a chance to pick at her portrait. She was the headliner here for at least 10 years. She was the icon. She was the diva. She was everything. People would come from all over just to see Miss Vicki Marlene, to see a woman that had transitioned at 17, to see a woman at 67 still performing and still giving it all was something to see. She even did Eclipse of the Heart, almost stripped naked at 67. Can you imagine the visual? I'm going to go now, but you just stay here as long as you want. And as you're ready to leave, please leave the bartender a big tip. And please... Make sure you tell all your friends about this bar because you'll never see another one like this again. 
And speaking of friends, look who just walked into the bar. I wanted to join you at Aunt Charlie's before we ended our detour. It's a special place, and I'm glad you got to see it. Please enjoy your drink and raise your glass to the people we met today. The Tenderloin is a complicated place, but it's home, and this is where we are, Susan, Molly, and I. And now, you're a part of it, too. We'll see you around the neighborhood. <laughs>